Hello, everybody. This is me, Andy. I got Jason. I mean, Jay's on the line right now. Hey, Jay, what's up, buddy? I am not too much. How are you doing today, sir? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I got to just see. messing with you. How you doing, bro, sir? I'm uh, <laughs> sure, sure. Call me, sir. You're funny. Yeah, I try. You try. You try. You try. Uh, Youper, is that you, buddy? Yes, it is. How you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. What's up? What's up, everybody? Yeah, well, today's show, we're going to talk, talk about, oh, what do you mean with baseball? Oh, no, he went to the casino today, so I was hoping oh. that he was oh, having a good yeah, night. I'm still there. <laughs> He's still there. Are you winning, though? That's the question, is are you winning? I won 35 cents. Hey, hey. you're up 35 cents. I'm up yeah, 35 cents. That will get you about an inch in today's gas economy. <laughs> right. I believe Ed is yeah. on the line also. Hey, hey, how you doing, Ed? Ed, are you there? Hey, how you doing, you? I'm here. Hey, Ed's How's here. Going, well, hello, Ed. Ed, I don't know. Did you, have you ever talked to Jason before, Ed? Oh, yeah. No, I have From, not. Uh, Jason, have Boa? Talked, of course. Of course oh. I've talked to Jason a few times. I'm talking <laughs> to Jay. Did talking. Talk? Yeah, have you talked to Jay? From Boxing Boa? Boxing Boa? No, just just uh, messaging. That's it on YouTube. All right. Well, Jay, Boxing Boa, Boxing Boa, Jay. I mean, Ed. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ed, <laughs> Boxing Boa. Good, Ed. Ed. I hope that. <laughs> sorry about us uh, Midwest boys over here. We're not like your California boys. We're a little bit slower that way. I think that's yeah, the really really winner. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, guys. I, I am. I'm truly sorry. <laughs> that winter, I've tried that winter freeze. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, well, yeah. J, J, Ed. Ed, J, J, Ed. Yeah, from CMC Red House. <laughs> See, it was 30, 25 below zero here the other day. I think my brain did freeze oh, a little bit. So. God. That's so, crazy. Coldest day in North Dakota history in April ever. That is so, crazy. It was 73 degrees here today. Yeah, yeah, rub it in, Ed. Rub I it in. I can't feel bad for you too much where I'm at, brother. We have the same weather. <laughs> what was that, hon? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, if Becky says if she had more gas, her and Emma were just driving to your place. Uh, so just head west till you run out. Just come pick you up wherever you stop. He said just head west to wherever you run out, and then he'll come and pick you up. <laughs> there you go. So how is everybody right, so today? Topic. Good. Everybody's good. That's good. Well, today's topic we were going to talk about uh, like uh, neurological disorders and uh, lethal genes. I don't know if any of you guys know yeah. anything about that. I know nothing oh, yeah. about neurological disorders in uh, carpet pythons, but I do know which ones have a little few problems in the ball python community. So. Um, yeah. Jay, if you want to start off with the carpets, because I know nothing about them, you can, and then we'll go from there. Yes. Um, in the carpet community, um, the neurological disorder, why it is associated with the JAG gene, and every single JAG does have neurological disorders. I, now, to what degree that is different in every single JAG? It can be from 1 to a 10. Um, unfortunately, if it's, up, if it's uh, level 8, 
or higher, you do tend to put those Jaguars down because those are the drags that cannot um, are not going to survive very well. They're not going to have quality life. But anything below that, we usually keep. Um, now, the thing is, it doesn't matter if, you know, you have a level one jag or a level five jag. Um, the neurological disorder can appear and get worse during times of when it's eating, excitement, stress, breeding. You can have uh, level one, go to level six, and just by changing this cage, it does happen. Um Unfortunately, you know, there's no cure for it. There's nothing you can do. It's part of the drag gene. It is what it is. Now, now with that, go ahead. I was going to say, if it goes from a level one to a level six, will it go back? Will it calm down and relax? Uh, I don't it like does with, sometimes with, calm down. It does sometimes calm down. But other times, once it goes from a level one to a level five or six, it stays at that. And with that, you get coarse green. It might just turn more left or something will go more right. Um, stargazing, um, you know, more coarse green than anything. Um, you know, some of them have a little slight head wobble. Now, you will find people that say, oh, my jag doesn't have any, any neurological disorder, don't have a wobble. Yes, it does. If you keep enough carpet pythons, you will be able to instantly tell the difference in a jag, even at level one, than a normal. Why it might be subtle, there are symptoms there. Um, I know have there like been the... other symptoms found, wobbles in other carpets? Yes, but it's rare. Um, jungles, there's been several people that have had jungles and wobbles, rare. A couple ear and giants I've heard of, rare. But it is very, every jag does have it. Or jag. I've got, got a question for you, Jay. Yes. Is there, is there a gene that you can breed to it that helps mask it? Like if you breed a blackhead to a spider in the ball python, that kind of helps mask the wobble. It doesn't necessarily get rid of it, but it helps mask it. Is there a gene no. that does No. No, there's no, no gene no. that masks it. Now, the SIDS will come out. You'll get SIDS out of that, and those are non-jaguars, right? Okay, that's what we call SIDS. Those will have no symptoms of neurological disorder, and, and they are they won't they just don't have it. It's only the jets, and so it's very interesting that one. All right. Because so, I know like with I know like with spider balls, if you were to uh, breed a spider ball, I mean not breed a spider ball, but sometimes if you feed a spider, it uh, gets it'll go like haywire. It'll all go corkscrewing and all that, but then like yeah. it can calm down afterwards. Yes, Sometimes, that can happen yeah. with Jags, too. It, it can happen. Now, I've seen cases, for example, my uh, good friend of mine, uh, David Moore, um, he had a Jag. It had low level of neurological disorder. It would act up when he would feed it. But the minute he put it into a, a larger size enclosure because it had grown up and it needed to go into something bigger, it freaked out and it never went back down. Um, now, when you talk about lethal genes with the jag associated with the jag or the carpet python. Um, it's the only one that's known in the carpet pythons to have a lethal combo. Now, that does not mean every single egg you have when you breed a jag to jag is going to be lethal. The only ones that are going to be lethal are the leucistics. No one has produced leucistics. There is one other combination that people haven't been able to produce yet, so we're not sure what's going on there. But I don't want to call it a lethal gene. And that would be a super 
albino zebra. And what a, what a, super, what a super zebra is, is when you take a zebra jungle and you take a zebra jungle and you bring them together and you get something called supers. And they're basically patternless carpet pythons. You can have caramels, you can have, you know, jungles, you can get yellows, grays, you can get anatheristics or azantics and, and carpus cases with, all within the super complex. But for some reason, no one has been able to produce a super zebra albino. There are albino zebras. But for some reason, when you go that next step up, which would be a, a, a patternless albino for the super zebra, no one's been able to do that. I'm not going to call that lethal yet, but I would call that unfurtful. No one's been able to go beyond the, the zebra albino. Now, going back to the jags, when you breed a jag to a jag, okay, you will get some babies that are jags, and they're going to be super jags. They're not super jags. They're just a jag. The super jags are the leucistic babies. Um, a lot of eggs out of a jag-to-jag breeding are going to be infertile. You're going to get a lot of slug clutches. Your, um, your mortality rate is going to be high within the eggs to begin with. The eggs that do survive, some of the babies are going to come out jagged, and they're going to be just having normal jag issues. You're going to get some stiffs, but the leucistic, which is the super form, all die. None make it more than a couple days to a couple. I think the longest somebody had one, which was uh, Patterson, I think was, I think maybe three or four weeks, and then they died. And that's to do with lung issues. Um, the, the ongoing theory is a super jag has lung issues, and their lung development isn't there, and that's why no one can get leucistics to win. That's why I also cringe when I hear people wanting to do uh, spider to spider ball pythons. Like, why? Why? Spider to spider produces what they call the pearl, which uh, is very lethal. If it gets to the incubation it's not period, very lethal. Yeah, that. it will hatch, but then if it hatches, either they don't eat or they die later on. But Marshall's in the room, right. so let, let me introduce Marshall in here, everybody. Marshall, you there? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah. Marshall from. Uh, he's from where local where I'm at, and uh, I thought he would be a good guy to have on the show too, guys. So, Marshall, oh, yeah. there's Ed, there's Jay, there's Jason, and then there's me, of course. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Marshall. How's it hello, going, Marshall? Guys? Hello, hello. Really good. Well, today but, we're talking know, about snakes with neurological disorders and, and lethal genes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's no. kind of funny because it seemed like there was a uh, there was another, uh, you know, uh, Facebook post with, uh, I, I can't even remember who the guy was, was posting up another another photo of a spider-to-spider spider pairing. And... Yeah. Ah, it gets. They always seem to get heated. Well, it, that's it, it, it's people, really kind of interesting. I, I don't think people are aware of the lethal combination genes. I mean, you got the spider to spider, you got the spider to spot nose, you got the woma to hidden gene woma, you got the hidden gene woma to champagne, yeah. champagne to sable, and sable to spider yeah. all produced to pearl, which is lethal. Right. Yeah. Right. And people don't realize that. You know, and right. um, the, the thing that then, gets me about that though is is that um, Bob Vu, ha, have you have you seen any of that stuff? 
No. Bob, Bob Vu claims to be breeding spider to spider on a regular basis. <laughs> that's is, that's yeah, the one. I, I have heard of that. But it, they're all, um, from what I understand with him, he says he's been doing it, but at the same yeah. time, a lot of his stuff isn't adding up. Like, if you go according to you know, documented breeding where they back it up, show the pairing to pairing, show the mother laying that clutch or are able to right. prove that that be the father. His his statements are very much undocumented. Right, yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, and that's that's the thing with when it when it comes to these these breedings like that I just if if you're if if you're going to I guess rock the boat so to speak, that's what I don't understand. Is why why isn't why isn't there more documentation on that? You know, because I think I think there's a lot of story with it more than there is actual stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, you you almost have to think that though, right? I mean, I, well, I've heard this for a long time. This isn't this isn't actually new. I've actually heard about this for a while now, and and I would think after a couple of years, I would actually see something some legitimate, you know, proof of this, and I have not seen that at all. So, yeah, yeah, and then, that's what that's what I'm I'm kind of I kind of like like sit back in the shadows and I'm screaming to myself, I I, Mr. Vu, I hear what you're saying, but show show documentation of this then. Like, I think he's pulling legs or he's having a lot of issues. I think he's trying to hope to hit on a super, you know, a uh, pearl that's in excellent condition, and, and if he is, that hasn't happened yet, and that's why we haven't seen anything. Now, right. is, he going, is he going on old information? Because old information used to be- believe, mm-hmm. people used to believe that a spider to spider, there would be a super form of a spider. It just hasn't been produced yet. But if he f- did his research, he would know that it turns to pearl, and then it's lethal. I don't know. Well, which is lethal. I haven't seen one produced. Myself. No, so. no, no. <laughs> but you know, the only like, one that like, knows produce the pearls uh, has produced the pearls. Is one of the only people I know is Kevin McClure, and he will be yes. the person that like. Um, if you watch, it, if you go on, you can go on YouTube and you can watch him talk about it, and the yeah. snake appears dead. It doesn't yeah. move until you touch it, and then it starts to move. And he says <laughs> all the other pearls he's produced. But that's not within, a you know that's a that's not years. a that's that's not a spider to that's a, a spider stable, though. That's a stable to a what is that? That's a stable to a spider, yeah, yeah, that's a stable to a spider. Yes, but like oh. like well, anybody yeah. says, any kind of morph or anything that comes from the wild or anything is a genetic defect in a in, yeah in it because there's there's the normal and then anything that's not normal like. Is a genetic defect, and genetic defects right because it varies off of the phenotype of the wild yes. phenotype. That's Correct. the thing. It yes. goes off the yes. wild phenotype. Anything that varies off the wild phenotype is a genetic defect. Yes. Hmm. Well, we have so. you know, there's plenty of other snakes out there too that you know, like with when you speak about the desert, you know, the females' fertility issues, you know, as you know, they don't they don't produce. You know, they can't if, produce, you can't breed a female desert. <laughs> and, and yeah. desert. She, either, she either gets egg-bound right. or... They all get egg-bound or they're infertile. Yes. Yeah. 
So that's kind of another yeah. thing. Well, you could go, you know, um, you talk about even the banana. The banana has a major defect in it, and nobody realizes it because everybody's like, well, what's the major defect? Well, it's either produces all males. You got a female males, maker. Yeah. yeah. So, it, and very rare do you get a female out of it unless you got a, what they call consider a female maker. So there is a right. genetic defect there somewhere along the way. Now, my question for Ed would be, Okay, like, doing my research, because you guys know I don't keep balls, but you guys know I do my research majorly. Yes, And yes. my question for you is, why is only the spider talked about on the head wobble when we all know for a fact Kim Jim Walmart's have head wobbles, uh, champagnes have head wobbles, power yeah. balls have head wobbles, you know, Walmart's have head I could go on the list, but why is only the spider being picked on to the wobble think- when there's... Because, I think it's because the spider is the most popular ball python. I mean, everybody yeah, exactly. has spiders. Exactly. It's in everything. Know, but, yeah. yeah, not everybody yeah. has a hidden gene womb or a womb or, yeah, you know, and I got rid of, like, I had two male champagnes I got rid of because I didn't want to breed. I'm trying, you know, I don't want to create that lethal gene because I already had a blue-eyed bred to a coral grow hidden gene womb and all the babies hatched out. They all died within an hour after hatching. Yeah, that's, that's a sad thing right there. I try not to even mess with any of those genes, yeah. you know, for that reason. And I think Kevin you know, does it because Kevin, I think he's trying to he's trying to figure a way to to get around that lethal gene. I think he's he's trying to find a way out of it. That's why I think he's testing it and try, he does spider to spider. He's trying all that stuff. I heard Brian Gundy talking about that he's trying to breed the the wobble out of a out of his spiders. Um, yeah. I, I, I see a lot of spikes online about this, you know, about people saying, "Well, my spider don't have a wobble." I have to disagree. Um, I hope right. do that. So I, yeah. every yeah. spider I've ever seen has has a wobble to one degree or another. You know, yep. some of them aren't as bad as others. But. But, but, but you know what's funny about that? When they say, mine don't have it, I'm like, your spider has it, trust me. And you might not notice it for a year or two, but it has it. Yeah. You know what's funny yeah, about that? I, I have a killer bee spider. I have a pinstripe. They all have it. They all have the corkscrew. Yeah, yeah, but you know what's funny? You could have one that's really, really bad, like uh, that just has a bad corkscrew, bad wobble, and you could breed that, and then the babies might not be nowhere, yeah. not even that's in the right. picture. And then you could have one that doesn't barely have one, and you could have babies that are like can't even crawl straight. They got to lay on their back. It's just one of them things that are true with the the jaguar carpet python. It's just because you're a female jag or your female male has severe head wobble. That does not every baby, every single jag suffers from it differently. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. You can have a female that has bad neurological disorder. And she will produce babies that have low neurological disorder, and it can be opposite. Right. Now, now my question, to you guys, on a lethal gene, um, I'll go with Marshall on this and, and see what see what your opinion is on this, and then you yeah. know, um, when you sit there and breed uh, a champagne to a spider, why is that? Why do you think that's a lethal combination? Is it because they're on the same allele, or? Or not? I I I don't think that it's an issue of being on the same allele per se. Um, 
I, I think if we could if we could find out a little bit more as like in line with how um, banana and how it's linked to the sex trait, I think I think we're gonna find like a lot of these scenes. Well, I, are yeah, I think that's on, the million dollar question all the way around. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. that's still a question being asked. That. You know, there's it's not there's not a ton of research. It's going to be really up to breeders to actually start digging in and doing the research for that stuff because it's not yeah. a, of importance, you know, in general. So it's yeah, not I'm a really study. You were saying about the banana. I want to hear more what you think about that with the banana going into that. With, I was interested. With, well, well, just just how how the banana the the trait for for banana is is sex linked. I think we're going to find that a lot of these. These genes like spider and champagne, hinge foma. There's some sort of connection there. Um, well, here's with a ne- with a neurological issue. Here's what I've oh, noticed okay. about the neurological issues. Right. Anyone well, they might not be any, producing enough of a certain hormone too. I mean, it could be anything. Well, anything. Yeah. Here's my here's just my opinion. This is what I've noticed, and this is what I've thought. Anything that messes with the pattern, not the color, just the pattern creates wobbles you got the spider messes with the pattern you you know anything that really messes up that pattern like a champagne you know really messes up the pattern i think it's closer that the 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 the, um genetic makeup of that is closer to their neurological makeup and it kind of messes with it well you have that you have that issue kind of with the lessers you know the lessers um, with the bug eyes. For the most part, they're fine, but if you breed them with certain things, you can have, you know, you can get certain issues with them. Yeah, well, you know. now, now here you go. You got the, you got the, um, the Mojave, and you got the, the Lessers. Now you, you, you can get bug eyes with the, with the blue eyed leucistics. Again, yeah. that well, that's with the like pattern. The, the pattern goes leucistics. away. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. The, who said the, the pattern that, goes who, away? Oh, and somebody then, said something about bug eyes and smallest. Because I know with the the super lesser and the super butters, and then lesser platinums to the pie, you get small eyes and bug eyes. Who was who said that? <laughs> well, they that, do. That uh, is true. That that was an article written up. Why well, I, I I know um, that uh, a wall. They they have that document or I I don't want to say documented but they have that written down in their article when they discuss uh, lethal genes where they go through uh, spider champagne hidden gene walnut and then then they finish it off by talking about the bug eyes with lesser platinum and and, and whatnot so that's the only I don't I don't see that coming up in uh, in a lot of photos. From breeders when they're showing off bells, I don't see a whole lot of bug eyes, but no. but AWOL has it written in their article. That's, well, yeah, you know, I've, I've actually seen YouTube videos. I wish I could remember who it was, but I've actually seen videos where they where they actually did have bug eyes. It might have been one get one of Garrett's videos. To be honest with you, I did see that where, before. I've seen that same video with yeah. the bug eyes. You could see okay. it. Yeah. And it was yeah. pronounced. I mean, you could say you would be able to say, "Wow, okay, I guess there's something going on there." Well, yeah. now it's 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 not like uh, now with the kinking problems. I mean, you you do a black pastel to and you make them into a black pastel, and you get the super past black pastels, you know. And yeah, you and the, the, the kink, right? and the yeah. 
But the deal is that is more, it, it is a defect, but you can control that to a point with the incubation by cooler temperatures, longer incubation. Well, you know that's that's what I that's what I've heard. I, I mean, I have heard that, but I actually I actually spoke to Garrick about that when IDR was having the issue. I you know they were they were asking me, and I told him I wasn't really sure. But let me talk to Garrick and see what he says. And I mentioned that to Garrick, and he he said, you know, I don't really know. I I haven't. I, I purposely I, don't go in that direction. And that's what yeah. made me change my mind. I was going to breed for the same thing. I was going for I was going to go for pandas, but, pandas, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to have that issue, so I just decided I, not to do it. I have talked yeah. to many breeders that have incubated at lower temperatures, I've seen pictures and proof. Yes, they, it does work. Not going to knock it out completely, but you they won't all be kinked. Because what happens is I think, you know, at the higher temperatures, um, it kind of rushes the development stage, and I think it kind of throws in a – the kink here or there. Now that will not work. The, the lower temperature kinking. Uh, I don't know if that works with the coral albinos or not, because they, you know, they kink. They caught them in a wild kink, so that I'm not uh, sure. You know. Eddie, you should be having a call come through too. I don't know if you've noticed that yet. If I should have what? There, there should be a guest calling in sometime soon. Yeah, I'm, I suppose nobody's there yet, so. Okay. Well, now, yet, I no. want to get into, I want to add, uh, I'll ask your opinion on this too, because you, like me, keep bowls and strippers, okay? Now, okay. Um, I, I have talked to Tom Collett on this topic before. It's been many years. I think the last time I talked to Tom about this was in 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. Um, and because there was a there was a prevailing theory that the Central American motley, meaning the, that locality, we all know that motley's came from that gene more came from Central America, but a lot of that has been put into BCIs. And we know the BCI, you know, super motley, you know, motley, motley crisis, super motley, which they all die within. If they do, you're either going to have complete slugs or you're going to have babies that are born, and within two years, those super motleys do die. Now, there has been some rumors that, you know, some of the, the Central American super volleys do live. Now, I talked to Tom about this back in the day, and the less known was a Central American, someone, all of his clutch and, and people he knew, all their clutches did end up dying. Now, have you heard of anything about the Central American part, locality of the mm-hmm. Motley's living? More than, mm-hmm. you know, three or four years. No, I have not. No, I, I haven't. I have I've, heard I've actually the... never attempted to breed boas yet. Um, but I would li- I mean, I'm still actually, I'm going to do the derm rolls, and I'm, I have the, uh, I have the albino, and I have the jungle that I'm looking for a female for, but I've yet to um, breed them, or try to breed them. I saw a video, I and he's out of Chicago, and that's all he does is breed boas. But I remember him just having a really bad year where most of his babies were born dead. Stillborn. He had a ton of stillborns. He just had a really bad... And he doesn't do any more YouTube videos, so I haven't seen him around for a while. But I said, right. who the guy was. I know it was Chicago or something. I know he's out of Chicago. 
Um, well, I know Shytown can trick her a few years. I mean, he still does that every now and I know the mom and the mom. We got a caller, guys. Okay, okay. We'll get back into this then. Eight one two. Go ahead, caller. Caller. Hey, can you can you hear me now? This is Bill. Oh, this yes, we can. This is Bill from PC Python. <laughs> hey, Bill. How's it going, guys? Hey, hey Bill. How's sorry, it going? I was listening earlier. What are you saying? We have a whole gang uh, here? Yeah. The whole gang is here. <laughs> Except for my Jeff. So we got Becky. Becky's in the house. Oh. <laughs> Becky's here, too. Yeah, but Jeff ain't here because Jeff's at work. So oh, well, we got everybody else. I was else. wanting to find out. I was wanting to find out what uh, if anybody knew uh, as far as like my spider. We've all seen her, uh, my fire bee. Uh, how would the genetics <laughs> disorder, you know, for her wobble? How much of that would carry over into offsprings if you bred it with like just a regular fire? Would it be uh, just the you won't really know until spider? Spider. Yeah, you wouldn't or know would until you go over to you, the others. That's what I was saying. It's going to be a very – any spider you get yep. out of that, no matter what combo spider you get, is going to have Nero. Now, to what degree, yep. that you won't know until the babies are half and yeah. have a couple meals yep. in them and things like that. Because right. we were just yeah, talking that's... about that. You, you could have one that's really bad and and breed it, and the baby's not showing mm-hmm. barely anything. And then you could have ones that barely show anything and breed ones that corkscrew across the whole floor and can't even crawl. You know, right, right. Because I've asked several breeders around here kind of the same questions, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't know." I'm like, "Yeah, me neither." It's like, I mean, it would take, you know, we didn't know if it would cross over, hundred percent or like fifty percent of them would have it, but it just it could be it, it's just weird how it doesn't completely transfer. It's what yeah. I was guessing. Yeah, you, you know, the G- biggest... Gavin from Balls to You actually did a video where he said he had normals that had he hatched out normals that had a bit of a wobble. Hmm. Yeah, really. You know, from but a, that, from right, from a spider happen. But you know what, though? What? Yeah, yeah. They, they could, wow. they, these animals are so bred in captivity now. There's a little bit of everything in them, I think. Sure, sure. Right, and, 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 and you know, uh, as for breeding, would it stop me from breeding my spider? No. I nope. would still debrief nope. it. I would still nope. Oh, yeah. Nothing. It ain't going to stop me from being my jag. And, yeah. and going back to some interesting things, because I know, Bill, while you're on here, this is good because you, you have a jungle boa. So this, I think you'll find this interesting. You know, the jungle boas were originally bred in Sweden. That's where they were discovered um, by a guy named um, oh, Metallica, Metallica Lars. Um, Lars uh, Br- Brandle or Bradle or something like that was the guy's name. Can't remember his last name. Um, and it is a Kodama or you know. And the interesting thing about the the jungle gene in boas is that you can breed a jungle jungle. You will get things that are super jungles. Now the super jungles will live. The interesting thing about the super jungles, which is why you find super jungles in the pet trade today being sold as pet only, and that is because a lot of the super jungles don't live more than five or six years and are always, almost always infertile. Um, they yep. cannot, most cannot reproduce. Now, there have been rumors um, that a few have reproduced, but those are only rumors. But that's why you see a lot. That's why if you see a super jungle being sold, you know, make sure, it's only, make sure you understand that it is a pet only because it is not something that you're going to be able to breed. 
you know, a lot of them are very infertile, and it's something that is not going to have the 20-something-year lifespan that Ebola can have. That is something that is, you're going to be very lucky if it makes it to stick. Okay, you can hear me. Okay, guys, we have another call. We should answer your question real quick. Okay. Yep, that was my question. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you later. Uh, I'll be listening. No, you can stay on uh, caller five one nine. Who is? Uh, oh, that's uh, KB Rev Files from Canada. How you doing, guys? Hey, uh, how you doing? Good, that's good. KB Glad we could join in on the conversation. Right? Glad we could join oh. in on the conversation. How's everybody's night? Oh, everybody's oh, night. I'm good. really good. Yeah, I forgot good. to mention. I, I forgot to mention earlier when I when I first joined in, uh, the night's going real good. I just had uh, we went Leah and I went out for a few drinks tonight. We we're sitting out front of the bar, and I was like, I gotta go. I gotta do a podcast real quick. We <laughs> <laughs> got in the casino floor and did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, we did don't the same freeze. thing over here. We made sure all the kids were in bed and everybody was ready to go, so we could get on the podcast here with you guys. Oh, cool. So, uh, um, um, you guys have a YouTube channel, am I correct? Yeah. So we started our YouTube channel um, how long ago now? Probably six. It's been a few months. Now. Yeah, probably five or six months ago. And in Canada over here, there's not a lot of uh, YouTube channels out there. So we decided to see if we could uh, just try to jump in on it and help educate and show our collection and. Uh, and do what a lot of you guys are doing out there. Yeah, yeah. See, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw your video today. As a matter of fact, you were educating. You were talking about your boas with your educational programs you do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We saw the comment, DA. Thank you guys. That was uh, that was awesome. Yeah, we uh, we've only really showed our ball pythons and a couple of pickups that we've done, but uh, today we decided to bring out the uh, two boas we have in our collection, and it was. It felt nice to uh, introduce them to everybody. There was another big breeder up there, and I can't remember who it was who used to do a YouTube, but they don't do it no more. I don't ever see their uh, any YouTubes um, from up there be, anymore. Like, yeah, uh, I know Marcus Jane, uh, Ball Pythons, he, said, he used to do a post a lot. And then um, uh, Billy Rose is a big one, too. Billy Rose yeah. from Mutation Creation. Um, yeah, I yeah, see him. Otherwise, there's not a ton. <laughs> I think I I might know who you're ta- talking about, Andrew. That that it was a gentleman. He 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 did the videos with his daughters. Yes. Is that? Yeah. Oh. Yes. And you know what? And it's escaping me right now who that might be. But yeah, there was a one up here that uh, that did a video with his daughter a lot. You're absolutely right. Yeah. He had, he, he had a big uh, what, facility what, too. Yeah, like Fiore or something like that. Or yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're just trying to get our collection up and uh and get everybody educated around our area about ball pythons and snakes in general. And we have a couple of other reptiles too that will be coming up in some videos, so you guys will be the first to actually hear about them. We have uh a couple of iguanas, we have a black and white Argentine tagu, we've got a couple of blue tongue skinks, a couple of bearded dragons. Um, some tortoises. Yeah. <laughs> not, not Bill. Yeah, we're trying to uh, follow, we're trying to follow Becky's. We're trying to follow Becky's zoo. 
<laughs> Ed, Ed, Ed had some wow. tongue skinks, and I think they're cool. Um, but uh, yeah. I, they're a little pricey out of my price range for the blue tongue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't think you could find one that is three fifty. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. because they're breeding. Their breeding cycle in blue tongues, you have about it's only like two a, a weeks. two to four week period yeah. to get that yep. female grabbing, and so it's and they're, super, they're, yeah. they have a lower fertility to where you're not getting a ton of babies out of blue tongues. Yeah, so and, uh, and you have up. to watch them. You actually have to watch them while they're breeding because they'll end up killing the male. They'll kill hurt. The female. Yeah, they'll hurt each other yeah. pretty badly. If you leave two yeah. unattended, you never yeah. know what's going to happen. And with blue tongues, it's so hard to sex them properly that um, yeah. you don't know if yeah. you have two males in there, if you have a male and a female, <laughs> right. two females. Yeah, you hey, don't Liz. know until the fighting starts. Yeah, oh, I have four kids, and it's pretty rough in my house. <laughs> <laughs> now, now to get back on topic just so you guys know um, one thing I do want to talk about is in one of my live streams on YouTube which by the way is self-plug you can find me under Boxing Boa um, I did somebody did ask me about the Motley combo okay and I said at the time I said I, you know I know Dave and Tracy Barker had mentioned it and it was something to do with the lungs and the water and something to do with the, the neck I said, but I, I wasn't for sure. So what I did is I finally, finally, um, Dave got back with me today on the phone, and he did tell me what, that what they think goes on with the super motleys and the, the Colombians, okay, is you get um, these water pockets on the spine, and that is what causes them to die. It also causes the females that do make it in the males that do make it a couple more years, like, you know, two or three years, because of the water on, on the spine, these water pockets, um, they don't make the weight to breed. Males usually die before breeding age. It also causes um, narrowing of the head um, for the way it comes, comes out. So that is so – I did find out that information. I, I, I want to thank Dave Parker for getting back with me on that and letting me know that it's all to do with the water pockets on the spinal cord, which is the issue with the super motley, why they are not making it. See, that, that's the problem. There is not enough scientists in the hobby. <laughs> if there was more scientists right. in the hobby, we would probably have more answers to what's going on. <laughs> well, see, no, I that, totally that, agree. Brings up a, that brings up a very good point. Um, you know, one of the problems that I kind of have is, Okay, if someone were to ask me, it's like, hey, Marshall, I'm going to, uh, I was thinking about doing this pairing, and it's a spider to spider. And I think my, my, obviously, my first response is like, you know, that that's not a good pairing, and that's not a pairing you want to do. But I think as time goes on and more and more, I'm kind of starting to lean towards, you know, okay, I would advise you not to do that pairing but if you're going to go ahead and do it you need to document everything you need to video you need to photo it and everything like that and you need you need to do your due diligence and make sure that everything that you do throughout this process is recorded because i think like i mentioned before there was a gentleman he posted a picture of a spider to spider pairing there was 127 comments of of people going back and forth, and it, and it got heated, and people are fighting. And I'm almost starting what? to think to myself, okay, we, we're getting too far with this, and people need to 
just be responsible with it. And, okay, let's get to the bottom of this together. Kind of. I, I, but, you I, know, I think every, I'm everybody, everybody thinks their opinion is fact, and that's kind of the problem there. Right. Well, another yeah. problem yeah. is, yeah. But an, another problem is, is people may document that, and let's say he does do this, and he, they all die or something, and he posts it. People who think they're somebody important comes in and starts bashing the hell out of them. And oh, yeah. that's not, yeah. yeah, and that's There's not right. no bashing the biggest, us. <laughs> the biggest no problem with our the, the the biggest problem with our hobby is forums is Facebook groups, things like that. Now, if everybody got yeah, along yeah, like so we did, and one like of us did it, it, yeah, if if we got if you see how we're all getting along, if one person <laughs> in this group did that, everybody would look at it and say, oh, that well, that's your results. You know, none of us would bash the person. But right. there are those ones out been, there. It would, would have to take a well-known name in the community and and sorry we're all awesome but we're not we're not a super well-known well, name but well, well, right. I don't know about you guys but I know who I am for yourself on that one I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> I, I'm gonna sit there and say um I'm pretty well known throughout this hobby of who I am so yeah yeah as you climb down off the ladder for a second I'll get to what I'm saying here what I'm saying is like um <laughs> Somebody, somebody along the lines of, you know, uh, let's just say Gavin, for instance. If he was to breed a spider to spider and do the full documenting, uh, it would take it would take somebody with with maybe that kind of reputation, and that is definitely yeah. could be any one of us at any you know any given time. Well, see, so the difference between Gavin and a lot of people, and I see what you're saying is, he documents everything, and that's a big issue. And you right. brought that up, and I think that is a good issue. Is Doc and Ed and everybody brought that up is documentation. And that's yeah. why I document every, and that is what's great about YouTube, especially for me, is because I'm able to document every single thing I do, and my, and and not just for the people that watch my YouTube, but for myself to go back. And that's the biggest issue is people are, you know, that's the thing. Back in the day, documentation was done in secret. Nowadays, with yeah. the internet and YouTube, like you're saying. Uh, uh, Jason, is that documentation now there's no reason to hide it because the information is so well available that yeah. you're not going to get away with hiding something anymore because it will come to light. It's, it's, so just, you, there's no way you can't do a breeding and then say, well, I didn't take pictures or I, I didn't get that. No, no, that's, you're hiding something. And that's what Gavin does a really good job. Now, here's what I got to say about having somebody like Gavin or Bob Clark or something do that. If Brian Barcheck were to do it, they would tear him up. <laughs> he wouldn't. I'm not kidding. He wouldn't survive that. But it, like, it wouldn't work maybe, for him. Maybe a Gavin or a Garrick DeMeyer might, but I know, like, you know, it, it's all on who you are. So, and I don't right. understand that either. It's just kind of stupid. I think that uh, if you want to do it, do it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. They're your animals. You do with them what you want to do with them. You know, I agree, guys. I think, I think for us, when we started breeding, it was watching those videos and seeing what people were putting together to realize that, you know what, spider and spider may not be the best combination or spider and champagne may not be the best combination. And that's where you find out about, you know, neurological disorders and, and issues that may come up. So like you guys are saying, when people post that stuff out there and they've done it and they've researched it and they've showed us what's good and bad, 
then it's up to you guys to, to decide what you're going to do next. Yeah. Right. And I'll be the first to make you guys know, uh, Jason, I appreciate you texting today um, and, and let, you know, let me know that you were happy that my albino was doing well. I, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that, by the way. Um, as you guys know, um, I don't deny the fact that I've only been keeping carpet. And here's a big difference. I think this is where some of the issue comes in. Um, there's a big difference between knowledge and experience. Now, my knowledge with my carpet pythons is just as extensive as it is with my boas, as it is with my bearded dragons, as it is with my chameleons, all stuff I've bred in the past. The difference for me with the carpet pythons that I'm finding out is my experience isn't there. And I had an issue with a female that had went into getting pushed egg all the way down to the cloaca, um, you know, by mid-afternoon. And by the next day, you were talking 24 hours, so that would be today, um, she has still not been able to get the egg out. Now, I wouldn't say that she was necessarily egg-bound, but I knew that I was not experienced enough especially with a, a, an animal that lays, you know, with the snake that's an egg layer like a carp python is, I got a hold of Stephen Katz SDK reptiles. And that's, an, that's the thing. No matter who you are, don't be embarrassed to ask someone for help. And Stephen Katz really helped me out with that. The female was able to finally pass her egg. You know, I had put some olive oil down there, and then when the egg was hatched, I had to lightly take a paper towel and damp it up, make sure no oil got on the egg. Um, but I really realize that, you know, there, I think that's the difference is people get experience mixed up with knowledge, and then that's when egos come to play. Yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah. point. That's just, point. just mm-hmm. you know, that's like breeding with um, hognose snakes. Everybody says they have to be 300 grams or 250 grams before you breed them. But, you know, when you go out in the wild and they catch them, like they do uh, research on them, when they get a gravid female and weigh her, she's only about 160 grams. And then she has a clutch, and then she'll have another clutch a few months later. So the people who come up with these ideas of, you know, um, thinking that their knowledge is more than other people's knowledge or something like that, uh, experience is where it comes in at. And knowledge does help, but experience, like you, Jason, had to call your buddy for who knew what to do. You know, it, it that's yeah, where that I, I all called, plays I in. I my buddy, and he helped me out. Thank, uh, I, and I appreciate his experience. You know, and then you know, like I said, Jason. You know, he, you know, you guys are all contacting me on YouTube, and Jason reached out to me personally, and was just happy the mom was okay. And you know, and that's the thing. You know, I, we can't be afraid to ask someone that we feel is more experienced in something for help. And I think, Ed, you oh, yeah. want to comment. I don't know if I respond yet, but you have like four or five people you contact. Yeah, and I, I actually talk, I talk and text all the time with Brian Barchett. I talk to Kevin McCurley, Greg Graziani, uh, Colin Weaver. These guys have been doing it for 30, 40 years. And I've even asked Brian, like I had some female fall pythons last year. They, they had the age, but not the weight. They were, like, pushing the 1,200, 1,250 gram mark. Brian told me, go I ahead, go for it. Hey, yeah. go ahead and try it. It's not going to hurt you. Like he said, there's no scale in the wild. You know, there's yeah, no say, you think on a scale going, oh, it's not time to breed yet. Do you think a female ball python in the wild goes, do you think a female ball python in the wild goes, wait a minute, I'm not 1,500 yeah. grams yet? <laughs> no that's way. It. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> 
You know, yep. it's just like temperature temperature fluctuation. I mean, some people take it too much, I think, to a, a specific science where, you know, the temperatures in Africa vary. I mean, weather yeah. changes, climate changes, and the snakes adapt to those, you know, slight temperature changes. Um, and they still breed, they still feed. And sometimes I think people too much, that's why I think uh, people tend to get on it. Oh, oh, you can't breed unless it's, you know, over 1,500 grams, or you can't do this, you can't do that. Because Well, you know, where that where that comes from, though, is that you have a lot of new breeders, and they they feed them females as much as they possibly can to get them up to weight. So, you know, that's a lot of people are saying that, you know, get them to 1,500 grams is kind of like a safe bet. But I definitely, yeah. I go by age over age overweight all the time. Garrick, same way. You exactly. Because you look at a wild, you, you look at a ball python as an ambush hunter. I mean, they wait for food to come to them. And yeah. how often does a rat walk in, I mean, crawl in front of a ball python in the wild? Is it, you know, twice a day, you know, three, four times a week? I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> and I you were know, just talking I mean, about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hate to switch the gears here, but I do have a few questions for uh, KB Reptile. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, go ahead. Um, how long have you um, have you been keeping reptiles for? Keeping reptiles, we probably have about 20 Snakes, years. reptiles. Snakes. Um, nice. We just, well, we got into breeding. It's been probably about five years of snakes, I would yep. say. Yeah. And we've, we've been doing the breeding part for probably the last three. We spent the first two years, um, you know, building up a collection, seeing what we wanted to get involved with, and then took on breeding after doing a little bit of research and starting to follow people and seeing what everybody in, in our area was working with. Right on, right on. Uh, what would you guys say is your, your, your highlight of your breeding so far? Like, uh, You know what? It's, I think there's two. <laughs> One is that first clutch you always hit, and for us, the first clutch was nothing spectacular, but we were just so happy to see the mother lay her egg, take her off the egg, get those eggs incubated, and then wait that 55-day period and see that those babies coming out. I think that was probably highlight number one to say we were able to successfully do that. And then highlight number two was probably um, watching one of the, the real gems of our collection hatch from, you know, uh, two heads essentially, and we got this beautiful lavender head genetic stripe baby, which we just adore. And that's, that's probably been the two biggest ones yeah. so far as far oh, as Oh, wow. Congratulations. And the first clutch was like literally the first, it was, it was a normal and a pastel. Like that, that was it. And we were, we were on the floor. We were looking at the, you know, the, the house oh, yeah. coming up. We're recording it. We're like, oh my, this is so awesome. <laughs> right. And like literally, even now, though, after several clutches, and you know, it's still—I don't even care if it's a normal. It's still exciting. It's still exciting. We, you know, we're 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 thrilled no matter what. If the eggs, you know, they make it full term, and the baby's healthy, and uh, it doesn't matter to us. And I think I'll add one more thing to that, which uh, a lot of you guys are family guys too, so you'll probably understand it. Seeing our kids want to come downstairs and be part of it, and and love it, and want to see eggs and, and hold babies and do things with us, I think that was a thrill because you never know how 
you know, family's going to react or how long the children will be interested. But our kids are like really into it with us. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think, every, kids I think everybody in this room tonight has kids and are excited when they get involved. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, awesome. my question for KB Reptiles is you guys just got a dwarf reed tape, right? Yes. yes. Okay, now I watched uh, uh, um, Reach Out Reptiles do a video today on dwarf reed tapes, and it was a great video. And he was finally someone, because I've been saying it for a while. I know me and Andy have talked about it, Andrew have talked about it. You know, it, he, he did acknowledge that it's a marketing tool because it really depends on the locality. So there is no way to say that your super dwarf or your dwarf retake is only going to get to this size because it all depends on what localities are in that reticulated pipeline. I think that's another thing that people don't realize is there's yeah, different absolutely. localities of retakes, and they've all yeah. been mixed and matched, so we don't know what's what anymore. Well, yeah. one thing I got to say about that is once you once they take a wild type, a uh, super dwarf that comes off one of the islands that only get about eight feet, and they put a mutation into it, like an albino or something, that right. goes out the window on the size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, uh, the gentleman that we were working with to get that dwarf retic, um, it only deals with the the bigger uh, snakes, and he was telling us about percentages like twenty five percent and fifty percent and 75% and mainland. And we were trying to absorb all this information in and try to figure out, you know, what all that means as far as how big little Odin's going to get, you know, five or six years from now. So, you know, based on what he was telling us and, and where he got his information from, we're hoping that it's accurate and that he'll fall into that, uh, you know, six to eight foot range. And we're going to, we're going to yeah. see from there. Well, and I well, think I, um, one of the things I do know, because um, I, I, I have had an, an opportunity to sit down and talk to to Garrett Hartle a little about this, and I think one of the thing, first things he would tell you is, have you seen the mother? Yeah. Uh, you know, yes. have, you, have you seen the dam? Because, and he touched on that in his video, you know, he, typically he sees where the size, uh, is taken on from the mother where you get color and pattern. You see more of that coming out through from the sire of the clutch. And, and so, another we thing. Were lucky to see the, we were lucky enough to see the mother. So it, uh, we were able to see pattern, color, size, and that's where we decided that might be the safest option for what our future plans are because we don't have any future plans to breed, but we wanted that in our collection for the educational part of what we do. Okay. Another yeah. thing that's going to play part in the whole thing is how much you feed her, because mm-hmm. you yeah. can take one, yeah. even take one of them off the island that stays small and feed it and feed it and feed it, and it will grow. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly so. what he told us. He said, if you power feed this snake, it will grow no problem. If you feed steady, proper size, and maintain, like watch its growth, you'll be able to help control to a degree how big that snake is going to get. And I said, thank you for that information because we definitely, we, we definitely never want to power feed our animals for sure. No, that's true. I think uh, Mar- you all here teach uh, leopard geckos. I know I do. I know Andrew and I Becky do. Do. Uh, do you add? No, no leopard geckos. 
Okay, now there are some neurological disorders in leopard geckos, like the enigma gene. Enigma. Yeah, it's called enigma. Now, is that the only one where there's neurological issues, or are there other genetic in leopard gecko morphs that are neurological? What's going I on with the that. raptor? Well, I could tell you that the uh, I believe the lemon blast. I don't think that it's a. Uh, is it the lemon? Bl- no, lemon frost. I'm sorry. Doesn't have a neurological disorder, but it has a cancer disorder. So as it matures, it gets cancer and dies. So I'm not saying that's 100% accurate. They may have fixed that problem, but I know it used to be a problem. Now, now, speaking of fixing problems, I think we all know there were issues with albinos, boas, when we first got them, um, because they were so inbred. There was a lot of kink babies, no-eyed babies, one-eyed babies, small-eyed, bug-eyed in the call strain, and now that has since been bred out to where now, I mean, you don't always want to do albino to albino, but it's much safer to do albino boa to albino boa now than it was 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Have you yes. guys found the same issue in ball pythons with different genetics? The same thing with olive pythons. Olive pythons, albino olives have the same issues, and the cave dwellers and other breeders have really helped to bring that kinking and those issues out of some of the olive albinos. But what are you guys' with the ball pythons experience? Well, uh, I don't know. Carl? Okay, the Carl. Yeah, I don't know what. You know, I'm sure it could be bred out eventually if you worked at it really hard. It, you know, I don't know how long it would take. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that's a really good point, Jay, because it seems like, you know, okay. now, that, now that you say that, maybe, Ed, maybe you might know a little bit more. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot of talk about somebody trying to work these things out. Because uh, I believe there we got caramel, and then there's some other issues with uh, uh, cypress. Um, yeah, and then I'm sorry. I don't go ahead. have any caramels or cypress, but the I know the albino has a few things. I mean, one of them um, that a lot. In fact, Brian Parchek had an issue where his his albino was born with no eyes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I heard that. And, yeah. and he said that is kind of common with the albinos. That they actually, I mean, I, I had a banana hatch out with one eye missing, and I know it's blind in the other eye. Um, I don't know if these are things that happen in the egg during development, but Brian says the albino issue, it is, it's a genetic default with the albinos now. But it's just no eyes at all. But well, you know, right. the same lines with that is that you see a lot of paradox in those type in albino, champagne, and those type of things, too. It seems to be a little bit yeah. more readily. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, all that plays into it as well. Probably. Probably. But like you said earlier, I mean, all these snakes are mutations. I mean, God knows what's going to happen in 10, 20 years. I mean, <laughs> what else? I mean, this this hobby's gone so far. People are trying new things. Um and I, like I said, Kevin McCurley, he, he's doing things that he won't even talk about. Yeah. Well, he is documenting everything he does. Yes. And he's trying and to he's figure things out. And he's also one of the few people that have got some of the rare species to breed when no one else yes. has got them to breed. Yes. 
Yeah, like the anaconda, even the, the green anaconda. He, he's one of the few that have actually patched out all healthy babies. Um, and, I mean, the he does the caimans. He does all the monitors. I mean, and I bought several animals from Kevin. I mean, everything you get from him, it's almost like you know it came from nerd because it just has this different look to it. And they're yeah, all he's been really, doing it for so long. really calm. Well, he's and you never know what too. you're going to get out of his ball pythons. He'll sell you this ball now, python as this, and then you breed it, and they see you know you got to find the animal. Yeah. So I bought all my males. Yeah, I bought all my males from Kevin and all my females from another breed just to mix that bloodline to see if, you know, you could get something really cool. Because, you know, Kevin's snakes, and even the cool thing about Kevin is he likes working with all his animals. He's trying to teach the public that these animals, when they're taken care of and treated right, treated with respect, they can be they they figure things out. They're problem solvers. They he's trying to teach the difference between food and people. They don't bite. They're not vicious. No, you can right in the monitors. Yeah, he's really yeah. His monitor even, even in the, his in connection the with his monitors right? is incredible. Yeah, because yeah, I used to think the blood pythons were these vicious snakes until I seen a video he put out of those T-negative albinos, and he's got like 20 of them sitting in a bucket, and they're just calm as can be because he surprises right. with them. Well, that's the difference. You know, that's a, breeder that, that, a breeder that works with his animals, and, and then yeah. you have breeders that just breed animals and put them out for sale. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, see, exactly. that's, he's definitely yeah, the right, person that works with them. Okay, yeah. hey guys, but in my YouTube up, videos, we got about 28 minutes blood. left in our podcast. That's okay. okay. I and actually that's why have to go, I everybody. share my blood so much. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, I have to go. I, you know, I'm up here at the casino and everything, so they all been sitting out there waiting for me. So I do got to go early. But uh, well, it's been awesome. Thirty-eight cents, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, thirty-five. Yeah. Thirty-five. Hey. Thirty-five. Yeah. Cents. Have fun, Jason. But I do want to. Thank you. Yeah, I do want to say, uh, KB Reptiles, thank you so much for joining. Everybody, make sure you go over and check them out on YouTube. Um, I think they're going to add so much to the community. And you guys know each and every one of you, Marshall, Ed, Jay, uh, DA Exotics, Andrew, and Becky, you guys are just amazing people, and I love each and every one of you. And don't forget to go check out Going Deeper on Instagram and YouTube. All right, everybody, love you all. all right. Later. Later. You, go, you have, have um, Good night, Jason. Um, Thanks a lot. Good night. I wanted to mention too that um did did you guys notice that uh Megan came back? Megan's made her first well actually good kind of big YouTube video today. Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly? Oh, yeah. oh Megan Oh Yeah, oh, she okay. she wants to come back to YouTube, so I thought that was pretty cool. Here's a young lady that is is taking care of one of the m- most misunderstood snakes probably in the hobby, the green anaconda. You know, and she she's back. She put her first video out of YouTube today. That's I'll have very to go check that out. She had just she had just done that video with Garrett Hartle on yeah yeah okay yeah. And but she and just now. put one out today just on her on her, her her anaconda puppy where she weighed it, measured it. She's going to do another one with her monitors because now she has monitors and all kinds of. I seen cool a video stuff. a while ago with her and her monitors, though. She had a yeah, um, but those were just little one monitor. second ones. She yeah. she announced today she's coming back on. Well, that'll that be awesome. And more people like her, 
that yes. actually, you know, we need more women like her to do I these YouTube her. channels awesome. that are actually educated and yes. know how to care for these animals. Yep. You know, and 100%. knows what they're talking about. That's what I mean. She's awesome. I love people her. People like her are invaluable to this community. Yep, 100%. That's what I commented to her, too. Thank God you're back. You're so important to this hobby. Oh, yeah. yeah let her know. You know now, my question for you guys is, when it comes to keeping anacondas, and, and I've talked to Andrew about this, I have some issues with that because, we, you know, when we talk about proper care, we can give them love, we can show them this. Now, my question is, anacondas spend up to 80% of their time in the water because yep. they're so heavy-bodied. Now, when they're out of water and they're land, we know they're very sluggish. They're caterpillar movers. Um, they have a harder time breathing. It's almost like they're suffocating on their own weight. So when we're keeping these in captivity, are we doing an animal like this justice? And I know that's a controversial to- topic, but what are your guys' opinions? I think, My? I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go I was ahead. just going to say, I think Brian Barchek's a perfect example because he got his anaconda from Kevin McCurley, and he's opening that small zoo next door, so he's building the proper enclosure for that anaconda where it's going to have water, a big pool, and dry land. So that's right. He's got the right idea what he's doing yeah. with his snake. That's basically what I was going to say, too. But you would have to build a proper enclosure. To, yeah. That's just my opinion with a big enough pool that it can get submerged because of the weight problem. Right. Because, you know, the weight, uh, they get real, they're heavy bodied. They're, you know, like, and they, they, they just the weight itself could hurt the, not hurt the animal, but it ain't going to be good for it when it's right. on land, you know. Right. Well, plus it's, an, it's just natural habitat. And yeah. I, I don't see, May, I know Megan's taking hers in a pool and, you know, she has some videos of her swimming with the anaconda. And so I, I think Megan's doing the right thing. We're just not seeing it on the video because she does have... Oh, I definitely agree she's doing the right thing. I'm just talking about other people that are... I no, I think... I don't think they because realize it's cool. to do what Brian's doing and what Megan right. does and what a few other yeah. people like to do. Just like, exactly. just like every, other, every other species that are out there, Initially, are we doing these animals justice? I don't think so, but I think no. over time and as we as we correct our mistakes, I think people are getting right. better with their husbandry right. all around. So, hundred percent. Yeah, the more the more that these animals are exposed, the more people are going to learn to to correct their mistakes. I think. Do you, right. Do you, do you guys watch Essex Essex Hogs on YouTube? Any of you? No. Uh, okay. No. Heard of it. All right. Well, anyway, he kept all his hognose in tubs, like a rack system. Then he started putting them in natural bedding, which was dirt, and he used to put springtails in there and got it like a bio-active oh, okay. uh, thing going. And right. his hogs are doing right. better now than they've ever done. So now he's taking them all out of the tubs, putting them in bigger enclosures, and they're all in a bio, uh, like a biosphere type of situation, and they're just flourishing. It's crazy because they're more in their natural habitat type of yeah, situation. Yeah, see? Yep. Yep. Now, my question for you guys, because Andrew, more specifically you, because you um, were talking about this earlier. We, you and I talked about this earlier this week. On reticulated pythons, what are you seeing that keepers are doing wrong with reticulated? considering they're a very active snake. 
Oh, yeah, they they don't have stuff for them to climb on. Most people don't have anything for them to climb on. You see a lot of reticulated pythons up high. Um, they're, they move a lot. They they actively hunt in the wild, as far as I'm concerned. They don't, yep, they're not they like do. a ball yep. python. They're not like a ball python that's going to sit there and wait for something to come along. Right. No, right. these guys are yeah. out looking for food. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think, because I have retics in, the, in, you know, in my basement, but... As a keeper, it's tough because, you know, you're limited on space. But in the wild, if you to do a proper enclosure for a retic would have to be huge. You have to have, like, big branches in there, you know, and it it would be tough. Right. But I'm not saying anybody shouldn't keep them. I'm not saying anybody shouldn't breed them. I'm just saying, you know... The proper way would be to have a great, like, a room-sized enclosure for a retic. Right. You know, these guys right. that do it, uh, you know, I think they're, it's an awesome job that they're doing. I would never say don't keep them or anything like that. Right. And that's not what I'm implying. I'm just like, I just know they're a much more active snake than what some people give them credit for. They're very, you know, I know they, they are found in trees sometimes. They're found on the ground. I know they are active. It's the same thing with bow constrictors. And I've I touched on this on some of my YouTube. It's like, in all my bow constrictor enclosures, I provide huge PVC pipes for my big bows. Again, I'll have to some of my cages I sell, some of them that don't, I put PVC in. The one thing I do notice about my bows is they do climb. They're not, when they get bigger, they're not always up on the PVC or the shelf. But they will occasionally get up there. You know, they will yeah. climb, they, and they do have that prehensile tail. So, you know, I do provide them an area, you know, to do that, and I found by doing so, I've seen more natural basking type setups where they they get up on the heat spot, but they usually get up higher when they're doing that, you know. And then as the day goes on, I notice a lot of my big snakes will come off the shelf or off the PVC, and then they'll be more on the ground. But in the morning, they're usually perfect. You know, I had a um, you know. I used to keep Burmese pythons. I used to have a huge collection of Burmese pythons when me and Becky first met. Every cage that I had branches in, they would be on it. They would never be on the bottom. They always wanted to be up high. So I don't know if that, you know, it's kind of strange, I guess. I don't know. You never see nobody put branches in there. But I did. Every cage I had branches in, that was a bigger cage, like huge. They they wouldn't lay on the ground at all. They would be up in the branches of whatever I had in there for them to climb on. They would always be up high. Nice. Now, I know we're running low on time, so I want everyone's opinion and, you know, you guys can answer different times. If there was one lethal gene that you could breed that you could make not lethal, what would it be? Well, it's not necessarily lethal, but if you could breed it, I would love to breed desert. Oh, no, they're not. They're not lethal genes. No, no, no. No, it's, no it's, I was it's talking not to Becky. Lethal. No, I was talking oh. to Becky. She asked me a question. Becky wanted to say, she thought when you meant lethal, like a lethal animal, like something that could hurt no, you I'm lethally. No, I mean like something where like not fertile or, you know, they're not. Yeah, yeah I know what you meant. Not she because Becky's favorite snake of all is the eyelash viper. And she was going to come and say, I would like to breathe an eyelash viper, but that's not. That's not the lethal. My That's not the lethal we're talking about. With me, okay, would have so you're, you're going to say the desert, right? Yeah, desert's yeah. very good. Yes, I like the champagne myself. If you can do it without like yeah. a champagne, 
if you could add it to everything, I think it would be great. But you yeah, can't. we were saying we were thinking the same thing. We have a lot of champagne in our collection, and it's hard to figure out what to properly breed it with sometimes because you don't want to get that lethal combination. But we love the way champagne looks. Yes, I love the champagne. Right, and obviously for me, it'd be a super molly, you know, a real super molly. But now the good news is, for those people that like the all-black snake, don't do molly molly, but you can get an IMG, and those turn black with age, and you get that all-black snake. So, what yeah. about what about you, Ed? What's your what would be yours? It would be champagne, but even the hidden gene woma. I love the hidden gene woma too. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Also nice. Do that, yeah. You know, that's a good. I mean, I'm do, actually yeah. breeding that. I got a coral grow hidden gene walnut from Kevin McCurley that I'm breeding with my um, black pewter ghost. Oh. So yeah. Oh. Hopefully, I could get something really cool out of that. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking for. I've got. I've got a hidden gene walnut clutch in the incubator right now. Uh, All right. Pastel yellow belly to a hidden gene walnut granite. So. Oh, that's so nice. nice. Just, just remember, That'll Marshall. Nice. I'm looking yeah. for a yellow belly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I, I got a question for the people here. I'm going to start with uh, um, Marshall, and then I'll work my way around. Uh, Marshall, how long have you been keeping? Well, what's name already answered this, but Marshall, how long have you been keeping reptiles? And I. I have been okay. The the very first ball python that I ever had, I actually got it when I was 23 years old. I was in the Marine Corps, and in our barracks, somebody had let go of their of their of their ball python, and I found it in our electrical room, <laughs> and I took it I took it down to a local pet store and. The guy at the pet store was like, "Oh, that's a nice bowl of constrictor you got there," and I'm like, "I don't think so, buddy." <laughs> but uh, but that was the first one, and that was actually the the only reptile I had. The, I had that ball python for about ten years, um, and then moving here to Minot, and with the snake ordinance and everything like that, for years and years I was a. Uh, I was a reptile enthusiast from behind closed doors and and uh just watching everyone else's collections. Um as far as like my snake breeding and Andrew, you know you know Crystal. Yeah. Um I I got I got in touch with Crystal while she was breeding her ball pythons and I would go and help her out. So I'd been helping her out for about four years breeding but never actually owning a snake of my own. Oh, cool! So, wow. I was kind of, I was kind of a uh, a snake employee, I guess. Oh, is it, yeah, is what it what it happened. And then so, here in Minot, oh. it just got to a point where I just, I, I finally, I just said, screw it, you know, ordinance or no ordinance, I'm taking, I'm, I started keeping a couple of snakes in my house. Um. And then working alongside Crystal with her breeding. Actually, while this ordinance was going for about three or four clutches, I was incubating her. I was incubating her snakes in my house. <laughs> so, so yeah. All right, guys, this is our 15-minute warning. Uh, Ed, 
how about you, buddy? How yeah. long have you been doing it? Five years. And before that, I mean, I would say I'd be ignorant. You know, like when I was younger, you know, everybody says, oh, yeah, Boas when I was younger. But, you know, when I was younger, I was ignorant. I didn't know <laughs> what I know now. You know, I think we were all ignorant when we were younger. Back then. You know, you were, I wasn't taking care of it, ter- taking care of it the proper way. It didn't have the proper heat or bedding or anything because I didn't know back. I mean, I'm 53, so you're talking. You know, when I got a snake back then, it was it came out of the wild. I had a yeah, red yeah. tail, and it, there was a dealer in Vallejo that kept all these snakes in his basement, and I know he was arrested and his house was raided. <laughs> Too long after that because he had all kinds of animals illegally. But oh. that's you can how you tell you're from Jersey. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was from Vallejo. That was on the West Coast. <laughs> hey, there you go. He was on the West Coast. Right? No, I don't. I'm I don't sorry, Ed. I just had to do it. <laughs> I uh, well, I when how I got into it is, I ever since I was a little kid, I would go out catching stuff and stuff like that. Yeah. And my my mother said, uh, if you want one and you're going to take care of it, you have to be able to pay for everything and everything. So I went and got right. a job at a pet store. I was 15 years old. I got a job at a pet store. Go. I ended up taking over the whole pet store by the time I was 20. Wow. And I've been doing uh, reptiles and snakes and breeding them and stuff like that. You know, I started off with, like, king snakes and milk snakes and stuff like that. Over thirty years ago, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. You're the you're, you got the same story as Carrie here, Andrew. She started off in a pet store. At- yeah, I started fourteen. I think I, a month which, month before I turned fifteen, started working at a pet store. And uh, my mom said, "You can have the job, but you can't can't interfere with school, and you can't bring any animals home." Well, I'm you know twenty twenty plus years later, I'm still bringing animals. <laughs> I'm not working there anymore, mind you, but, you know, so it's been a, a, a lifelong uh, <laughs> passion for sure, really, right? So oh, yeah. That's awesome. There you go. I had to take Becky. Equally influenced. So I, uh, my, Leah, my fiance, she, she manages a pet store here, and, oh, my God, I, you know, one of these days I know she's going to bring home a ghost. I swear to God. <laughs> I would. Yeah, way she yeah. I'd have a goat for sure if I could. Well, with Becky, uh, 22 years, 23 years ago now when she met me, I brought her home and my whole bedroom was full of snakes. I had an extra building that was full of snakes and we've, it took her a little bit, but now she's come around. And well, yeah, the first time I seen that bedroom, I made a beeline and I ran downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> was that but because he got, got naked, or was that the snake? <laughs> combination. It was a combination. The snake she was dealing with, but once the clothes came off, she screamed and ran. <laughs> I still scream and run. That's funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then, then with the rats all the time. Yeah. <laughs> now now she has her own gecko collection, so Yeah. There you go. That's awesome. What about you, Jay? Um, for me, um, I started keeping snakes when I was fifteen. I had my and I 
was fortunate enough my mom, you know, she let me get the albino Burmese, and I'd even see it. It was ordered sight unseen through the old snail mail. I didn't even know when it was coming. It just showed up at the door. <laughs> we were talking yeah, about that, that the other day. Were, yeah, it was when they were big money. Um, I hooked up with a guy named Ken Frazier in Champaign, Illinois, um, that same year, and I got some breeder boas and started breeding and producing, um, and I got really big time into it. I was pretty well known for quite a few years with him uh, and uh, then um, you know we, we also bred some burns and stuff like that and then when I retired from fighting I just kind of when you have that type of life changing thing you just I sold everything I had except for one snake and I got out of breeding for about uh, four, four or five years and then when I came back um, I came back, and that's when I got my boa collection started again, and I got my, and then after that, I got my carpets going. And I've only been breeding carpets for two years now. Uh, the boas I've been doing pretty much since I was 15, except for a five-year break. I'm going to need your help, Jay, on the boas. Yes, I'm always willing and able if I can I help as many people as I can because boas are pretty much bulletproof, but a lot of people have a hard time breeding boas. Other people don't. Yeah, really, that's what I hear. Um, the biggest issue with boas is, you know, a lot of you don't have to cool your boas, but at the same time, if you're having, if year after year, if you have a female male that are not reproducing for you, and they're not, you're not having a sex, okay, then in that case, I will cool a boa down. If I have a female that doesn't produce for me two years in a row, then yeah. I will do a cool down period with her, and then she will get to go, and and oh, usually okay. they will go after that. Um, and that's the thing you have to listen to what your snake is telling you, and that's the right. biggest issue. I have carpet pythons, um, you know, and this is the difference between you know experience and knowledge. Everyone told me when I first got into carpets, you have to get your jungle carpets down in like 67, 68 degrees to get them to breathe. I found that for me. Not to be true. I have never cooled my jungle carpets, and they have bread for me. Um, right. At the same time, I also have a female uh, carpet, uh, a striped line albino, that this is the second year in a row. She's went through the whole motion, squirming, bread locked up, swelled up, did all the right stuff, and did not produce. So that tells me that next year I am going to cool her. And then hopefully <clears throat> by cooling her, she'll reproduce for me. So oh, you have okay. to listen to what your animals are telling you. Um, yeah, I okay. have another jag right now that is looks to be low to the eggs, so we'll see how that goes. But you listen to your animals. If you're not having success, then you need to cool them. You need to change something that you're doing, whether it's bedding, right. you know, the way you're heating them, cooling them, feeding them. Something that you're doing is <laughs> triggering the response of them not to be successful. And a lot of people blame the animal. You'll, you'll hear, and I'm not trying to say this in a derogatory way, so forgive me for this, um, for the gay community, but a lot of people I saw, somebody said, uh, this is, I have a gay carpet python. No, you don't. Uh, you have yeah. a carpet python that you have not properly cooled, most likely, and that right. is why that you're not having success with that male. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's really about reading your animal. Mm. What's okay. your yeah. animal telling you? You know, I got a, I got a quick question for you, Jay. 
um, kind of kind of off topic a little bit, but uh, being that your your uh, carpet that just laid and seeing how you do maternal incubation, um, was it hard? Was it a hard decision to go with maternal incubation on that one egg? Or was it um, never yes. even a question? I, I did talk to I, I it, well I love to maternal incubation science has showed you know that you get healthier clutches you know your eggs do better you, you get a much higher success rate with doing maternal incubation. Now okay. I did talk to Stephen Katz and he did tell me with one egg it's gonna be harder for that female to maternally incubate that one egg because is she gonna be able to generate enough heat? with just one right. egg, you know, trying to coil around it. So once he told me that, I went ahead and put it in the um, incubator. And now when I say incubator, I've had this incubator up and running for a month because I always have the incubator running when I know right. carpets are going to be due because just in case the female chooses not to incubate. Um, so right. I went ahead and put that one egg in the incubator. Now the incubator I do run is, you know, get her um, talked about in Retail Reptiles is something that I learned 20 years ago with Tim Fraser when I was 15, well, over 20 years now. And he's always incubating his eggs the same way. I got the cooler set up with the water. I got the under tank heaters, you know, the fish tank heaters in there. And yep. it that's always worked perfectly for me back when I had. Uh, and that's, that's why, that's you know, I only bred berms twice successfully, and then I got out of berms because um, – um, that's a long story with what happened to my friend, but I got out of birth shortly after that. Um, but, yeah. no, I sat there, and I, like I said, I fully admit, I've only been keeping carpets for six, maybe seven years. So I yeah. listened to the advice of someone more experienced. So that, on that issue, when he said with one egg, he explained to me how it can be a heat issue of her trying to incubate that. I went ahead and threw it in the incubator. Um, yeah. I'm not, I've seen some veins, but I'm not seeing the veins that I'd like to see. So I will see if that egg ends up going bad. I'm not real confident because I'm not seeing the veins that I want to see. But there are veins. All right, guys, we have four more minutes left. The deal I see with maternal incubation, this is why a lot of people don't use maternal incubation. Well, at least a lot of bigger breeders is because if you maternally incubate the eggs, you have to let that female go all, you can't breed her the following year. She, it's going to take her longer to get back because she goes off food for such a long time. So what they do yeah. is if they maternally incubate, uh, they won't breed them the next year. They wait a whole year. Yeah. A lot of these bigger breeders like to breed every year. So that's why they do the incubator incubation type of thing. Yeah. Right. And I will tell you, my female Carmel Jag that did maternal incubate last year, she I did not breed her this year because she is still – she's – not fully back up to weight, but she's getting there, and you can tell it just took a lot out of her. So I knew, um, you know, I had enough respect for my animal not to do something detrimental. Now, there is the other point of that. You know, your snake will tell you when it's ready. You know, it will tell yeah. you you can breathe a snake every single year, and, and that snake will live for 20-some years because, you know, it happens in the wild. But... If the female is not receptive, she'll let the male know. You almost see male combating. It almost looks like male combating because that female is saying, no, it's not this year, honey. So uh-huh. your snakes will tell you when they feel they're ready or when they're not ready. Well, there's only a couple right, minutes left. Do your self, 
do your do your self plugs. Go, DA. You go first. Plug yourself. Uh, <laughs> DA Exotics at uh, YouTube. Uh, Jay, go ahead. Do yours. Uh, I won't. Don't forget your Instagram. Oh yeah, DA Exotics Instagram. You can find DA Exotics on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Boom. There you go. Um, I am Boxing Bow. You can. It's just Boxing and Bow, all one word. You can find me on Instagram that way, and you can find me on um, YouTube that way. And then I also have a Twitter account, which all that do is really post my pictures. And by the way, we got the pie finally going. And you can find me under there at Carpet Boas. So it's Carpets and Boas, one word. So it's at Carpets Boas, and you can find me on Twitter that way. Uh, I want to um, say thank you to KB Reptiles. Uh, you see us on YouTube, KB Reptiles, um, Instagram and Facebook, KB Reptiles 24. And Terry and I would just like to say thank you guys for having us on tonight. It's been a pleasure oh, to, uh, to hear you guys and, and get a chance to talk to you guys. And you guys are <laughs> always commenting on our stuff. So uh, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. And by the way, uh, you guys can all come back next week also, you know. So we'll, oh, we'll have perfect. to work on That's the subject great. we're Thank talking you. about. Uh, Marshall, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Marshall, uh, uh, Marshall Law Morphs on YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, YouTube is pretty pretty new. So there's not a whole lot of videos, but I'm hoping to keep consistent with at least uh, uploading a video a week at the very least, um, maybe pop in once or twice more than that but for right now i want to keep it consistent weekly and yeah and just try to have some fun with it sure well ed got dropped somehow somehow he, he we lost connection with ed but i'll give him a shout out he is at uh cmc reptiles at youtube, YouTube. Oh, on youtube and then he's cmc dot reptiles on instagram and uh he's got a great collection he's got everything you could think of so stay tuned. But uh, we'll have to get together. We'll have to talk over because I got all your guys' phone numbers. We're going to have to contact yeah. each other and come up with a subject for next week, and we'll talk about it on our vlog, on our videos and, and, before the next week. And you can okay. find Going Uper on YouTube at Going Uper. Oh, and got going on Uper Instagram too. at Going Uper. Uh, yeah. He doesn't need to mention me. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just want to say good night, guys. God bless, and thanks for the friendship. Thank, Thank you. I, I I agree. God bless you all, and I appreciate all you guys' well, friendship. It's amazing how this YouTube community has brought us all together. It's like, all thanks to reptiles. It's, it's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah, this is. We have a great community. We have a great little group here too, by the way. And if we stick together and work on things, we can get stuff accomplished. Just look at what Marshall got accomplished up there in Minot, where he's at, just by working at it. Props to Marshall. He is a legend. He fought the wall and won. That's a legend in my book. Yep. Like I said, I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> well, not anymore. Now that the story's out, it's no longer in your mind. Yeah. It's in my mind. <laughs> All right, guys. Good night and have a great one. Good night. Good night, right, good night, good night guys. See you guys later. <laughs>